0: um that that this portion of the book of galatians contains a rebuke i want to remind you of something this is a letter written by the apostle paul to a church a church located in galatia where that is northern turkey or whatever but it's a it's a he he's He's the church planter, and he's writing to a church, a group of Christians in this area called Galatia, all right? Um, So before I read you this text, um, I got to tell you, this is a section of the book uh, over which I... Could become very emotional. I'm warning you, not emotional in the sense of ah rage, but emotional in the sense of tragedy. Okay. Last week we were we were in verse nine, and we really concentrated on the first verse of verse the first half of verse nine. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, and I made a big deal last week about this, this last clause, about, or rather to be known by God. Now, we're in the middle of a verse, so I, I, I kind of hate to do that to you, but that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start reading at the middle of a verse because I've been telling you that there was a rebuke coming. And here it is. And this is a section where a pastor is rebuking A church, a church that he planted. (laughs) Hmm. I, I feel a strange affinity for the text. Listen, how can you, how can you turn back again? To the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. <laughs> That's a man who happens to be a pastor who looks at a church that he planted and he says, did I labor in vain? Maybe you understand now why I'm saying this is a section of the book and it's a small section. It's you know two and a half verses, where a pastor is saying, "What have I done? What have I done? Have I, have I labored in vain?" Okay, now um, there's a whole lot more to be said, and and we will. But I at, at least wanted to um, alert you. To the fact that this this is something that could really draw me into a at a deep emotional level. For instance, ladies and gentlemen, do you know anything about the book of Revelation? Sure you do. The first three chapters of the book of Revelation is, is written to seven churches. Remember that? Those first three chapters, seven letters to seven churches. Do you know where those seven churches are today? They're gone. They don't exist anymore. <laughs> Who planted those churches? And that was the apostles. Mm-hmm. And those churches are gone. More specifically, where is the Galatian church today? Gone. And it was planted by the Apostle Paul. And it's gone. Um. (laughs) I had a woman come to me uh, about three Sundays ago. I I don't think she'd even mind if I used her name, but I won't. Uh, But many of you know her. She was raised in this town. Her home church is... um, First Baptist Church Memphis. Is it down on Parkway or down in there somewhere? Have you read what First Baptist Church is doing uh, here in Memphis? Have you seen all that? First Baptist Church Memphis is gone. Now, there's a nice building right there at Parkway and Union or Poplar or wherever, but it's, it's emasculated. No gospel preached there, ladies and gentlemen. No. Gone. It's gone. How could you? Says the Apostle Paul. How could you go back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Whose slaves you want to be once more? Really? You're, you, you, you've turned this thing into a bunch of observation of days and, and months and seasons and years. You got nothing but ceremony, empty, worthless ceremony. I'm afraid, says Paul, that I've labored in vain. You know, we, we, we've we seen this, this phrase, the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world. I mean, there's a lot of things that Paul could have in mind, but um, at least we know he's, he's referring to this situation where the Galatians were being... Um, Approached by a group called the Judaizers who wanted them to, you know, add back in the law of Moses and, you know, yeah, 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 you got to have Jesus, but you got to be circumcised and obey the law of Moses if you're ever going to be saved, you know. <laughs> so uh, at least he's, he's referring to some kind of legal drift, I mean, it's a, a, a drift back into legalism. But that church that he planted, it's now gone. First Baptist is gone. What about Gracie Van? Will you go back? Will you return to weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Will you? Ladies and gentlemen, the the default mode of every soul is to go back to some kind of legalism. Ladies and gentlemen, without the gospel, and do you know what the gospel is? The gospel is summarized in a doctrine. Here it is. Justification by faith alone. The reformers call it sola fides. Apart from that message, ladies and gentlemen, apart from that gospel... Men will always argue that the law is necessary for salvation. If you depart from the pristine purity of the doctrine of justification by faith alone, you'll end up in some brand of legalism. Ladies and gentlemen, here are your options. Either it's all of Christ Or you reinsert some kind of performance. Gang, I'm going to show you a film clip. Most of you have seen this film clip before. I show it in the new members class. It's eight minutes long. We're not going to show all eight minutes. I've worked with Jason some today. I've tried to shorten it to two minutes. Um, But you've seen this before. I showed it to you. That is, if you went to the new members class. If you come to the new members class, I'll, I'll show you the whole eight minutes. But I tried to get out of the, I tried to just get to the, the heart of the matter. Jason, could you show it to us? Just these two. Oh, stop it, Jason. Hold on right there. The question that was before this panel was this. Do I have to be a member of a church to go to heaven? Do I have to be a member of a church to go to? That's my fault, Jason. That, that was Jason. I just want you to understand what's being addressed in this little two minute clip. The question is Do you have to be a member of a church to go to heaven? Now, Jason, thank you. Look at that man. Not him. Listen. Listen! You can cut it. Do you hear what he said? If you can prove this doctrine of justification by faith alone. I'll eat this book. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there were nine people on that panel, uh, of which I was a part. Um, the, the rabbi didn't say anything, because he didn't give a flip about it. Uh, um, and, and I don't think the Roman Catholic guy said anything, but the only person on that panel that agreed with me was the other older guy that spoke. That guy that said that, I'll eat this book, do you know where he came from? He came from the church of Christ. He was the spokesman for the church of Christ. And tell me this, ladies and gentlemen. In your understanding, what is the church of Christ known for? Legalism. If you defect from the doctrine of justification by faith alone, you will always end up with someone saying to you that the performance of some kind of law is necessary for you to be saved. And it might be as benign as baptism. If you're not baptized... You can't be saved. That is a forfeiture, ladies and gentlemen, of the doctrine of justification by faith alone. Tell me, Gracie Van, will you will you go back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? like the Galatian church did? Tell me this. Do you prefer bondage? Do you understand, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, can you existentially insert yourself into the text? Can you, can, you, can you grasp what the, what the Apostle Paul is... I mean, the, the emotion that he's feeling, the utter disbelief that some people who are a part of a church in this place called Galatia would be so benighted they would forfeit their freedom in Christ. and that it would enter, enter, enter back into some form of bondage to law. Will you, Grace of Anne? Will you go back? i tell you what, forget me. This is not about me. Gang, do you know what slaveholders in this culture could do to their slaves? You know what they could do? They could kill them if they wanted to. They could chop their fingers off if they wanted to. They were property, and that's what idols normally do. They destroy you. And now I, I made a leap to idols. Idol, you see, gang. When you go back to law, stay with me, when you go back to law and say that there's something in addition to the finished work that you must do, then by that law, you have become part of your own redemption by your contribution. You see? And so you have created... Something that doesn't exist that does nothing but put you in slavery, and ultimately it destroys you. Whether we're talking about get hell, even I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, if you if you are if you are um, dominated by a by a series of a collection of idols that you're seeking to get to meet your needs. Gang, do you, remember, do you remember that? This story gets told over and over about Harold Abrams. It was in the chariots of fire. Do you remember Harold Abrams was running with Eric Little? Eric Little is the, the Christian that went to China and was the, the, um, was the missionary and died of cancer you know, 20 years ago or so. And, but he was, um, he was in the locker room with Harold Abrams. Harold Abrams was a, a Jewish a sprinter. And I think he was from this country. I don't don't know that. But he was a sprinter. And he was about to run his race. And, And he said to Eric Little, I'm afraid. I'm so afraid. And he said, what are you afraid of? And he says, once that gun goes off, I've got 10 seconds to prove my worth. if i lose this race that just means i have no worth that means that means a slave and so are some of you if my kids go bad what worth do i have ladies and gentlemen you have for way too many years placed too many of your eggs in that kid basket. Get them out! Or it will destroy you. Will you, Grace Van? Will you go back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Will you? Galatia did. First Baptist Memphis did. The seven churches written a letter in the book of Revelation. They did too. And and, and look at what he says in, in verse 10 you observe days and months and seasons and years. Your religion has degenerated into some kind of external formalism, a dreary routine of rules and regulations. Making sure that you do things right to meet the code. What have you done? Have you forgotten the liberty that's contained in the gospel that set you free? Gang, I've I've told you this before. And it's not a very good illustration, but it it, it's kind of a decent illustration. I was raised in the Methodist church, and I I I really rebelled at my Methodist upbringing because we would go to church, and everything was so routine. Um, You know, you could you could close your eyes and you know spit it out. You know, just you know just oh, we're there, okay. Just 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 ritualism, just rules, and now's the time to do this, so punch this button. And, and so when I, when I became a Christian um, and then got this call in the ministry, um, and then I was going to plant a church, and I didn't want any smidgen of that. You know. And so you see our worship services are very simple. You sing a couple of songs, you take up an offering, you preach, that's it. I mean, I, I have to fight to get you to say the Lord's prayer with me. Which I don't want people to forget. The Lord's Prayer is a piece of biblical passage, you know. But I've, I've used this illustration before, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm telling you, it ought to slay you. Because when I was raised, we sang this song, this chorus. I, don't, I guess it was a chorus. It's called The Gloria Patri. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be. World without end. Amen. We sing it week after 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 week. week. And I become a Christian and I, I start thinking, what the heck am I singing? But you know what? You don't know what you were singing. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. as it was in the beginning I've, I've used this before, so some of you could tell me the right answer, but if I were to come to the rest of you and say, "What is the it for heaven's sakes?" As it was in the beginning, if I were to ask you what the "it is, you couldn't tell me, but you sang it. You you played by the rules. You had the form. You had the rags down. Just empty formalism, ladies and gentlemen, and that's what Paul is condemning. and that's what happens when you leave the pristine purity of the gospel. you head back into some kind of legalistic crap. It's a reference to the Trinity. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost as it. The it refers to the Trinity. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy as it refers to the Trinity. But you sang that for years and your brain never engaged because, ladies and gentlemen, the idolatry never engages the mind or the heart. Do you hear me? It just fixates on the rules, on the regs, on the, um, the, the seasons and the years and the months and the days. But it never engages your heart. Only the gospel does that. The gospel that is about a beautiful Savior I had a young man come to me, up to me Sunday morning. He was 14 years old. And um, he said, Dr. Young, could I ask you a question? I said, sure. And he said, "Um, could you tell me? He said, I've I've got some awfully bad habits. And I wanted to say, what habit you got there, boy? And I I didn't. (laughs) Um, 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 He said, I've got some awfully bad habits. And he said, how do you get rid of the habits Well, you observe the seasons and the and the uh, and and the, the rules and the months and the years and and you commit yourself to the form and and um, and if you perform well, uh, you you're on your way. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the answer that so many of you got all of your life, just like John Simpson would have given to you. You prove that doctrine of justification by faith alone. I'll eat this boot, But I don't want that doctrine. Here's the one I do want. I want you to do this, and I want you to do this, and I want you to do this so that you can contribute to saving yourself. And then we're constantly wondering, did I do it right? Did I do enough? That's bondage. It's slavery. The only thing that will set you free is the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of Christ and him crucified. Let me tell you what I said to the 14-year-old boy. He wants to know how to get rid of his bad habits. And I said, I don't, I don't even know who he was. Still don't know who he was. Um, and I said, well, I can give you the theological answer, but I don't think that'll help you. Let me give you this one. I said, my wife and I had three daughters. Um... I'm going to be nice, Susie. <laughs> She's always worried whether I'm a, When I say three daughters, she said, Oh, no, he's going to say something about the girls. Um, we raised these three girls. And I said to this boy, I said, um, And let's just say that one of them as a four-year-old. Got a hold of a rusty knife. Nasty, rusty knife. And I see it in her hand, and I say, Megan! Put that down! I mean, she would (laughs) have probably gone, or, you know, could have scared the dickens out of her. But you see, the best way to get the knife out of her hand is to offer something more beautiful for her other hand. Just hand her some ice cream cone, and she'll let that thing go. See, ladies and gentlemen, you're never going to get rid of this stuff until you find the beauty of the gospel. If you continue to stick with the rules and the regs and the seasons and the and the you know all that stuff, guys, the whole genius behind idolatry is legalism. Because it tells you that you can somehow contribute to saving yourself. And that's not the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. It is not the gospel. The gospel is Christ, Christ, and more of Christ. It's called sola Christus, Christ alone. You forsake that, ladies and gentlemen, and you go back to slavery. Is that what you're going to do? Forget me. Because it's not about me, ladies and gentlemen, but if you go back that, to that, it'll destroy you. That's what slaveholders do to slaves. They destroy them. Um, Gang, a couple of things and I'll quit. Religious people like that guy. Religious people are, are just as lost and enslaved as irreligious people. I mean, you know, you've got, in the parable of the prodigal son, you've got Two sons. You've got the prodigal who goes off to the faraway country and he's thinking, this is the way I'm really going to find myself. Um, I'm really going to establish my identity and worth by getting off and having this money and spending everything on wine, women, and song. He's the irreligious. But then you got the boy back home, the elder brother, the religious one. And he's, he's doing everything by the rules. He's doing everything by the book. And they're both lost. Because both of them are trying to save themselves. They're trying to be their own savior. The elder brother by his goodness and the prodigal son by his establishment of his own rules and law and ways, et cetera, et cetera. The religious and the irreligious are just as lost. They're both idolaters. They're both worshiping some, some form, some brand of self. Um, gang, here's the gospel said a tad differently. I don't need to make myself beautiful to God. I don't need to make myself lovable to God. He knows who I am. What I need is a Savior. So I don't need to make an idol out of my performance. So that if all of you people say nice things about me, then I know that I've got worth. And if I do that, then I become your slave. And you're destroyed. I don't need to make myself beautiful to God. Neither do you. All I need is a savior. Now, let me say one other thing, and I'm telling you. um, Well, let me say two other things. This is a uh, this is a quote. This is a a, a copy out of a Martin Lloyd Jones commentary. Martin Lloyd Jones is my hero. Out of Romans eleven, and I, I won't read all of it. Just um, he's quoting a man, and he says this: Every institution tends to produce its opposite. Are you going to go back, Grace Evann? going to go back? Will one day, when at least I'm dead, will people look upon Grace Van like we're now looking on First Baptist? Huh? Because every institution tends to produce its opposite. He tells a story in here. I don't have time to tell it, but it's excellent. the last thing that he says and i'm telling you ladies and gentlemen i don't know what how you read your bibles i don't know what you what you think when you come to a statement like this this is heartbreaking he says in verse 11 i'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Is that what I've done? Hmm. You know, ladies and gentlemen, um, this is just me, what I'm about to say. I don't think it applies to anybody else. It's just me, okay? So just... Write it off as Jimmy Young is mentally ill, and he is. Um, But you know, a lot of you out there, a lot of you, I'd say more than half of you, have been to my systematics class that I teach on two Saturdays, systematic theology. And I teach you for eight hours the beauties of reformed theology. And I love that stuff. I love reformed theology. I love the beauties of the sovereignty of God. I love this devaluation of man and the reevaluation of God. I love for God to get bigger and for man to get smaller. I love it. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, when I see you go back to Arminianism, I think, I labored in vain. I cannot believe that anyone can see the beauties of Reformed theology. Maybe you don't understand it all. I cannot believe that anybody can see the beauties of Reformed theology and say, "Mm, I'm going to be an Arminian. Wasted my time and labored in vain. Forget me, ladies and gentlemen. Don't go back to that stuff. And I'm not talking about Arminianism. I'm I'm talking about form and ritual and legalism. The more you know about the beauty of the gospel, the better off you're going to be the safer you're going to be and the healthier you're going to be. And the more real you're going to be and the more honest you're going to be and the more forgiving you're going to be. And yet, in a church that was planted by the Apostle Paul, (laughs) they defected. So did First Baptist Memphis. Reckon we will. Our Father, I thank you for your Word. I thank you for the um, the passion that is woven into its fabric. The um, the issues with which we are confronted. Some of them are theological, some of them are so emotional, so practical, so real, so ongoing. And I pray, O oh God, that you will, um, that you would deepen the roots of each individual believer here tonight, not into the bedrock of Grace Ivan, but into the bedrock of the gospel. And that gospel simply being, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Father, might the beauty of that message grow in us more and more and more. Might we find ourselves set free from the slavery which entices us. Why, oh God, I cannot, I cannot explain to myself or to this group but somehow we want to save ourselves. Would you rid us of that idol and draw us irresistibly to the great beauty of Christ and him crucified? Do that, Father. Do it for Jesus' sake. We ask it in his name. Amen. Thank you and good night.